Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Almost There podcast. Today, I am sitting down with my cool aunt in design, pretty much, uh, Sunny Preston of Midnight Sunlight. She is an iconic vintage seller in town who everybody knows and loves. So, welcome, Sunny. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having. Thanks for asking me. Of course. On a Wednesday night, beautiful night. Yeah. Downtown. I know, it's great. It's so funny because you, I've worked with you for, I don't know, a couple of months now, like for various projects, but like primarily for my apartment. And we're here, it's finally happening. Yes. And you're finally able to see today. Thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it's uh, it's been really fun getting to know you a little bit over the past few months and I know your initial visit to the shop was on a work mm -hmm. uh, mission uh, for one of the projects for the firm that you work for. Mm -hmm. And um, I found your entire demeanor to be very refreshing and professional and um, delightful, honestly. Oh. And uh, so, yeah. Thanks for your loyalty oh my gosh. and furnishing your own place, yeah. um, taking that magnificent wicker motorcycle <laughs> off of my hands and uh, giving it a new, a new job title as we, could we call it credenza? I mean, it's I know, I the know. thing b below your TV, uh -huh. but uh, it doesn't have to have a name. It's just wonderful where it's, you placed it. Yeah, it's just the motorcycle. It's, it's the jaw-dropping moment when you walk there, into the space. That, that actually, that Tom Dixon motorcycle originally uh, came to me from Nashville. Mm -hmm. I bought it from another dealer there, a friend named Carter, and had it picked up and delivered to where I was operating the store at that moment was... Uh, in this art studio building mm -hmm. uh, in Northeast and fourth floor. It was the, I guess you could call it high COVID times <laughs> <laughs> when, you know, by appointment, uh, furiously trying to get everything listed online, photographing things in that space. It was a beautiful space for that reason, mm -hmm. for that purpose. Um, but yeah, I'm glad people don't have to go there. <laughs> I don't have to go there anymore. It was right on the train tracks. Yeah. So there was that that kind of charm mm -hmm. that that added. But yeah, so it, um, and then it lived at a restaurant on Northwest 23rd. I don't think that I realized it had this whole backstory. Yeah. I thought that you had just picked it up in Tennessee right before I bought, I bought it. it. Four years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, I always loved Carter. He was making these foam chairs mm -hmm. uh, kind of before the foam craze actually became a craze. Mm -hmm. uh, super talented kid. And one thing I always remember Carter saying, he came to visit Portland, I want to say in 2017 or 18. Mm -hmm. It was fairly soon after I opened the store in Laurelhurst, the original mm -hmm. location, and um, great style, very funny, mm -hmm. <laughs> excellent sense of humor in a modern dealer is an absolute necessity. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to laugh at yourself, first of all, but also the entire world of design, modern modern design yes. um, in particular, and um, yeah, we have now, we have advanced to the point where there are memes about uh, mid-century modern. <laughs> but Carter's great. I wanted to support him. He was making these chairs. I needed one of the chairs. I got the chair, and he had that motorcycle. And mm -hmm. so I was like, can I get the motorcycle? So, yeah, it was a funny story. And, and it was delivered to the warehouse or the studio loft. And it stayed for a while. And then I can't remember. I mean, I think, yeah, that would have been 2020. So we are talking three years ago. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad it's here with yeah, you. Yeah, me too. Long and story short. It's a funny piece because I've been eyeing it for so long, like for months. Mm -hmm. 
And I was so scared that someone was going to swoop it up and take it. (laughs) And I kept trying to convince Anthony. I'm like, we have to have this wicker bike. Like, you have no idea... This piece is so unique. Like this will only increase in value over time. Bargain with you that eventually he gets a real motorcycle. He gets a real motorcycle. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. If I get the wicker bike, and I also promised him, there's this. We're going to New York um, next year, and there's this one tattoo artist that he's really wanted a tattoo from, and I was like. Okay, my final offer is I will get you this tattoo from this tattoo artist if you let me get this bike. And he's like, okay, I'm sold. Because he loved the bike too. But he was just like, this is so impractical. Like, we need a credenza. And I was like, but here's the thing. We actually don't need a credenza. (laughs) Like, what are we going to put in there? Like, our three board games? Like, we don't. We don't I always that. kind of love the irony of the, uh, and going back to the foam throne. I mean, it was not a chair. It was a throne. Um, <laughs> and I am so proud to say that also sold to a local designer. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what she's done with it. I, that's a, I should check back with Sarah. About yeah. That. But these are two completely, um, these are not necessities no. by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But they, I guess this would probably uh, help to answer your, I, I feel like it's one of the questions um, mm-hmm. for tonight. But in terms of how do you choose what to buy? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it kind of, uh, it, it has to do with that, like what, in the hell, like, am I going to find another one of these? And if yeah. the answer is no, and um, the next answer is, do I technically have enough money to buy it right now? If the answer to that is yes, then I have pretty much built my business on those principles. Mm. And um, great question whether that is a super smart business model, but. It's made it really exciting. Yeah. And uh, has kept me engaged. Yeah. In the process versus um, buying things based on what uh, I think others will want or Mm -hmm. um, it's not a needs, but it's not a, I mean, it it can be Mm -hmm. a functionality thing and it should be at some level. Um, but that is all sort of an open to interpretation yeah. um, thing. So, yeah. I'm, yeah, I thought it was pretty wild and, and cool that you were visual, that you visualized it in mm-hmm. that way. Um, mm-hmm. That made me really happy. Yeah. And I don't know. That's why I really love coming to your shop because <laughs> you do have these pieces in there that I've just never seen other places. And for me as a designer, my style is very maximalist and weird and funky. And I want to push my own barriers of things that I gravitate towards and things that I'm selecting for myself and my clients. And so I feel like you make it really easy because I feel like you also, clearly you just explained, like you challenge yourself in that way too, to look for pieces that other sellers aren't sourcing. And I think that that is what makes you stand out and is also just like, so telling to you as a person like you like listeners like you have no idea like Sunny's one of the coolest people ever like you have this like adorable cat fritz and you drive this oh, like badass best. old range rover and oh, you man. like you really have built this unique community here thank you and i don't know it's just it's fun it doesn't make it feel like work you know well i'm happy to hear that <laughs> uh the contrary is true. Uh, it is nonstop work, but I am the type of person that isn't very good at sitting still. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, I, I would say I take more time off now than I did five years ago, mm-hmm. but in some ways that is also not true. It's just more about, um, learning how to, uh, disconnect. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is social media or, mm-hmm. um, you know, setting, setting up time or time blocking, I guess, mm-hmm. um, is helpful, but 
I can't stop doing it because I love doing it. So it's kind of like, is it work? It is work for sure. Uh It's definitely a lot of work. Right. But I'm really grateful that what I find um, joy in is also a way that I can support myself and Mm -hmm. my fabulous cat, my wonderful cat, (laughs) um, who is the actual owner and founder of Midnight Sunlight. I am technically just the driver. (laughs) Uh, You know, today we were out and I had to take that truck, that magnificent truck, um, which was my primary furniture work vehicle, Mm. by the way, for the first three years. Uh, The seats I removed from the back so that sofas could fit, Mm -hmm. um, they're still in storage. But we took a little drive today. Uh, it has some it has some bugs, and it's now back in the shop. But I look over at Fritz, and there he is eating his. He demands the wet food. <laughs> now, anytime we get into the cars, he his brain, you know, he it's based on I get the wet food, so of course I give it to him. But he won't like it if it's in a dish. It has to be of the can. But then more recently, he started serving it to him to himself with his paw. What? So I realized something. This cat is completely... He actually... It's amazing. He has somehow demonstrated the entire brand identity <laughs> in this afternoon activity of driving around we drove it for a half an hour just so i could get anyway get it ready for the mechanic mm-hmm. um i'm looking at this cat he's both bohemian he is a complete savage and yet he is really refined <laughs> in his taste uh and his behavior he likes jazz anyway i it cracked me up because uh none of this was planned to yeah. be honest uh the store was um Originally, it was a partnership, and that, mm-hmm. uh, f- for whatever reason, not going to get into, uh, d- was no longer, mm-hmm. and uh, and then it became a sort of vision quest, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, a lot of crazy adventures happened, and risks were taken, mm-hmm. and I would say we're at this point, a uh, six and a half years in, um, where. It's uh, it's definitely evolved into something, you know, completely different from what it was when it op- when I opened it, mm-hmm. and I um, I can only take part credit for that. Really, I think it was a natural process, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of factors. You know, sourcing has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I had someone ask, when did it get so fancy? Uh, I didn't even think that it had. But um, when I look back now, I'm thinking, okay, I remember we used to go to thrift stores. We used to go to always go to estate sales. That's mm-hmm. less and less. I mean, thrift stores, forget it. I don't <laughs> yeah. have, yeah, there's nothing there for me. Yeah. Um, I do love the stories, the, mm-hmm. the, the folklore, I guess you could call it, urban lore of these incredible um, internet finds, we'll mm-hmm. call it, you know, the classified, uh, platforms that people find. Sometimes they get very lucky. My experience has been, um, I buy on instinct. I buy with the same parameters that I mentioned before. Have I ever seen it? Will I ever see it again? Do I technically have enough money to buy it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my rule. Those are my, you know, and do I love it? And yeah. I, I have to love it. I realized I'm not, there's unfortunately the more than 50% of this is also selling things. Mm-hmm. Cause if you buy every day, you should try to sell every day. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily happening and that's okay. Bigger things take longer to sell. Yeah. But, um, in general, I have found homes for even the most outrageous, ridiculous, um, completely impractical things, you know, and I want to keep 
pushing the envelope in that regard to uh, bring, yeah, this market and surrounding markets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have have a bit of a following in California. We have a a few loyals in Seattle and up and down the coast, um, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. But uh, to expand that and, um, yeah, hopefully keep doing it buying and selling things. I have a friend in California, a mentor um, in the business, who has put it to me more than a few times, buy stuff, sell stuff. Mm. That's all you have to do. Mm -hmm. The rest, ignore it. And he's right, you know, I mean, that's the way it works. Yeah. So (laughs) hopefully don't buy stuff for one price and then sell it at a lower price. Yeah. You know, that that does happen occasionally, but we have to just, sometimes you want to just start fresh. Mm -hmm. So that's okay too. I'm curious that in your shop, it feels very much like a studio to me and you're constantly rearranging the furniture and as you bring things in and out um I myself have struggled even though I'm a designer but like pairing vintage pieces together that are from so many different eras or different materials and it's like how do you know that this is going to work like what would your advice be or what's your like two cents on how to pair vintage pieces together well uh, well, I would say that is a wise man, a, a wise dear friend of mine, um, in a different business of rares, once said, uh, good shit goes together. Mm. And it's true. I think that That's if you so have, true. if you have a house that is a super specific architectural style, mm-hmm. I do think that you should try to honor that. Mm-hmm. And I see, um, this is why part of the reason I brought in some craftsman piece, arts and crafts pieces, Prairie School yeah. um, stuff recently because I see a lot of people trying to fit the mid-century modern design into houses where it was never intended to be. Yeah. And you can do that in other ways. Mm -hmm. I think you should always um, love the items you buy for your home. You should be able to live with them, have dogs, have kids, have a cat. Yeah. You know, um, and not feel any guilt about living with items. And Mm -hmm. should they become distressed, uh, (laughs) you know, embrace that. Yeah. Also. Um, I try not to sell people stuff that is already so distressed that it then cannot be handled mm-hmm. or it, you know, has to be put away to, mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to look preserve it its <laughs> structural integrity um, or stuff like this. But I think there's a, there's a growing market for as-is furniture, and it's taking place outside of storefronts. Mm. So that has been, you know, moving forward through this COVID time and and just with the constant changes, um, paying more for stuff, needing things to be ready to use versus selling things that need a little work mm. or need this or that. I hate that when people say it just needs this, then why didn't you do that? Yeah. That's what I want to ask to them. Why didn't you clean it? Or mm-hmm. <laughs> not to get negative, but uh, there, there have been experiences in, um, you know, and one of the things about my store that I will say, I didn't even, okay, my first job was Nordstrom. Okay. So customer service, like, is the top priority Mm -hmm. people have to be treated like absolute royalty Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) or like there are no um there are no issues too 
uh, involved in, you know, and as far as I have been um, able to make the customer happy, I will, mm -hmm. you know. I have a pair of chairs in the van that were purchased a year or more ago that were already 65 plus years old, 70 year old chairs. Mm. Well, the glue does eventually dissipate <laughs> to the to the extent that a chair needs to be properly taken apart and re-glued mm -hmm. with clamps. And so I'm happy to do that. I'm not, you know, um, I have felt uncomfortable before in stores that deal antique antiquities um, vintage items ever asking for something like that and so I want people to know that they're covered yeah in the event something happens I will do my very best to either fix it myself or get it fixed mm -hmm. for them. It's important for future generations, I would say, for the environment, for um, the future of humanity, to buy things that last. Yeah, and I think and that's something that maybe older generations understand, but I think my generation has a hard time because we don't have a lot of money or what's being pushed at us right. is all of this, like, target grade I would give your generation a little bit more credit actually mm. I have experienced more and uh and really in our like super um you know life affirming and hopeful uh way a younger generation finding um value mm. in uh you know saving of finding it an exercise that they are willing to do, that they are, you know, um, that they may not be able to furnish an entire home mm -hmm. uh, within, you know, three months of moving in, but with patience and yeah. prioritization, they are, and it's important to them. Mm -hmm. And so not all of my customers, in fact, a lot of the boomer, um, a lot of the boomer age people don't understand the value of a lot mm. of vintage stuff in my experience because mm. they grew up with it mm. and they often like to come and tell stories about how they got these things for free mm -hmm. from relatives or how when you know in the 90s in Portland you could go into a thrift store and find a finule chair <laughs> which I don't think was ever actually true but they do like to tell the stories so I think uh there's a girl, I mean, when the store first, when I first opened on Stark, we were next to a Catholic high school mm -hmm. and I sold vintage clothing at that time. Okay. And I had the greatest time talking with the high school students mm -hmm. about, um, material, you know, textiles and mm -hmm. just once they, and I always noticed like that they could sense the quality of older, even just denim. Yeah. Like once they touched it and um, were able to, you know, with furniture, it's like when you sit on something that I, I go into newer furniture showrooms, sometimes consignment stores, mm -hmm. and I'm always struck by like the odd proportion of things mm -hmm. and how actually not comfortable so much of it is, mm -hmm. but is, you know, there, you know, there's a time and a place, I guess, for education and I don't want to discount the stores vintage stores in particular because Portland has such a rich tradition mm -hmm. of um, affordable furniture stores mm -hmm. and we have more each you know I mean we have a lot of them mm -hmm. for the size of the city and so I think there's something for everyone out there and it's not um it's not an intentional, uh, you know, direction on my part to alienate people that uh, maybe have a smaller budget for mm -hmm. furniture. Um, so I think we can still enjoy design at any kind of price point. Mm -hmm. I think there's always stuff in the store that anyone could afford. Yeah. But I also try to remember that um, it's 
difficult once you cross over into, once you've seen something, then it's oftentimes very difficult to back over to something that you can afford. Mm -hmm. And this is a, tr this is a trouble situation for me in particular because same here. <laughs> I have always had really expensive taste. I was, uh, talking earlier with this roofing guy, mm -hmm. for example, um, our house needs a new roof and uh, wouldn't you know it, the kind I want is the most expensive kind <laughs> and I had no idea. Um, but listen, it's like we can prioritize and uh, keeping in mind too that when you buy investment furniture, you're not going to, to you know, return a year later, six months even, to find that its value has plummeted. Yeah. It's generally going up in value, mm -hmm. not the other way. Mm -hmm. So that's something to think about for um, for young people and for older people yeah. like myself. Um, but, you know, I don't... I kind of... I don't want to answer the question, is it always going to be expensive? I want mm -hmm. to say that it's going to come back to reality. Mm -hmm. Inflation affected my business in particularly uh, intense uh, ways. Um, working from home, mm -hmm. you had like a really high demand for a while for a limited supply of... of um, you know, certain things. I remember there was one point in maybe like 2021, you could not find a desk anywhere. You couldn't find any desk, <laughs> no matter what desk, anything. And now it's like, nobody wants a desk. Yeah. So it's really a funny, like it's a business that just sort of has all these legs and it, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like on it, you know, it's, it just has its own path. And then you see some person who is an influencer, for example, um, post a chair and suddenly this chair now is impossible to find mm -hmm. worldwide. You cannot find a single one of these chairs. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, um, if I'm thinking of a particular chair right now, but I just, an ex you know, a vague example of what, um, you have to constantly be up on, you know, this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny that you say that too, because I mean, on your end, you have to be up on that stuff. And then on my end, I feel like I, a lot of my friends are just starting to dip their toes into the world of vintage or ask questions and are like, oh my gosh, I saw this like Togo chair or this Waisley chair. And they're like, I've never seen anything like it. And I'm like, girl, I see those every the single day. That's a great example, <laughs> the B3. Um, I have had those in the store multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a beautiful chair. And comfort level debatable. <laughs> the calf hair ones I had were... Yeah. For whatever reason, more comfortable, I think because it provided a little bit of, of grip for you to not slide immediately um, as like the black, this classic black leather ones yeah. are a pretty steep chair. Yeah. And if, you know, if you have slippery clothing on and then you sit in that chair, you might find, I've heard people complain about the comfort levels mm -hmm. on that chair, but uh it became really like a viral chair mm -hmm. last summer. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was like last spring, yeah. summer. That chair was the chair to have. But it, you know, that's not a new design. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the Eames stuff is similar. It goes up and down. And, right. Um, arts and crafts goes up and down. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes it's good to just buy things when they're not... Um, when they're not at their peak mm. of popularity. I flew to Boston to buy, to go on a buying trip mm -hmm. at Brimfield Antique, Antique Show um, in the fall of 2018. Uh, I, I, was, I was definitely 
celebrating a couple of personal milestones at that point. It was September, um, and it was quite an adventure, but I remember getting out there. I flew to Boston, got the box truck. I had more cash on my person than I have ever traveled with <laughs> in my life up to that point. There's been now since then much worse, um, <laughs> uh, you know, or like more cash, less stress, but that, that particular trip was, um, kind of a, it was a wild hair kind of like, okay, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I'm so glad I did it first off, but, uh, what happened was I got out there and it's rural Western Massachusetts and I have, a cellular cellular carrier that does not uh, apparently does not have a lot of uh, clients in that area so my cell phone <laughs> wasn't working <laughs> and, I, and I, I couldn't text photos of stuff to people mm -hmm. and also if you've ever been to one of those big time flea markets mm -hmm. you will know that it's very competitive and you don't often have time to see something think about it come back yeah and then buy it it'll be sold so you have to act on instinct you have to absolutely operate on instinct and um that i would give that as like one example of a more extreme example of doing that and um and I have to remember when people go to stores they're not under that kind of pressure yeah so um, it's been a, it's been an experience and, and a learning, um, and a learning experience for sure. in keeping my expectations in balance with, uh, people that are operating in this realm at a different pace mm -hmm. than I personally am. But, uh, the risks were absolutely worth it. Uh, I would say, I would not want to be doing this if I hadn't taken significant risks mm -hmm. early on. Mm -hmm. And I would not say that they all even 50% of them actually paid off. Mm -hmm. um, there were items I bought because I just was so blown away by them at the mm -hmm. time that by the time two weeks later or whatever it was, I drove back across country by the time I got home, I'm thinking, what was I thinking? Yeah. Why did I buy this? Yeah. But that's also part of it. And, um, and I think it's pretty, uh, important to just own it. Like, you know, if you make, if you make the bad decision, just learn from it, grow through it. Um, and that's a constant process. Yeah. Whether any, any type of work or yeah. any life path with that you choose, you know, it's yeah. like mistakes must be made. Otherwise, where is the learning, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and putting yourself out there and taking risks is important. So that's, I guess if I had advice to any of the, any of the, the new, <laughs> yeah. the new kids. Yeah. But, um, I also want to, I also want to identify as someone that is, uh, on the grand scheme of things. Like I am a new person. Mm. Um, I remember being at round top a few years ago, not the trip when I, I actually sold there, but it was, uh, I flew in and I was around, I went to a bunch of different shows and I ran into another dealer that I had never met in person. And that's what's so important about traveling for this work is, especially when Instagram is like a worldwide community yeah. of dealers and um, people that have similar interests and others, you know, and this particular gentleman deals in material that is really very far uh, on the other end of the spectrum in some ways, but we both have a sentimental, um, spot. I mean, we both have a soft spot for folk art. Mm -hmm. And he asked me what my background was. Like, I didn't even know how to answer. 
What did you do before this? He says, where, what are you, what are you coming from? The, what do you, what, you work in an office? What'd you do? And I didn't know how to answer the question. <laughs> to be honest, I, uh, I did all sorts of things and I did not know too much about what my plan was. Mm -hmm. Um, it sort of like found me if that yeah. makes sense. But, uh, I always liked old stuff and anyway, we become dear friends and, um, I think my answer to him that afternoon was, I used to wreck cars for a living, <laughs> just to get a rise out of him, and he laughed. Yeah. I only wrecked, like, two cars. I mean... And now you so, have a car that you always have to fix the up. The car, yeah. <laughs> the car that's always in the shop, and I'm really, really, really trying to get people to come out for, like, summer months mm -hmm. to the store, so that we can have a bunch of different, like heartbreaker design cars mm. you know uh our friends came two weekends ago with a 1985 project porsche 911 and a so peugeot good. 505 wagon which mm -hmm. is mid restoration mm -hmm. also a super weird um super heavy car with you know beautiful i mean french cars mm -hmm. it's kind of uh, tough to beat yeah. The interiors of blue velvet. It was it was fun to have those guys show up, but we'll keep trying and there wasn't um really ever like a an exact recipe for midnight sunlight. Uh to be honest, it's been uh all on instinct and a lot of work. I love that you operate that way because when you come into the shop, you can feel that authenticity and it, it's interesting because it's just you as a person being emulated through a store and through the furniture that you're buying and through your quirky personality on Instagram and through like hosting these fun car meetups like just because you like it. And I think that people need and want more of that. Like people want more of that connection and less of the transaction of it all but want the relationship and want to... Like, the industry that you and I operate in is so much out of passion. And when it starts to become something that's just transactional, I think, like, just yeah. the passion starts to get lost. And I love that you've said, like, I just liked old things. And yeah. so I just kind of kept doing it. And I think that's, I'm in this, like, weird middle ground right now where I'm like, okay, there's these ways that, you know, the 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 design industry works and how you should do things. But then I have all these other passions and these dreams that I'm like, can't I just do this too? Like, why not? And the more and more that I meet people like you who have done that, the more that I realize that's who's successful. Not like, sure, like, you know, maybe you have rough months or whatever, but you in your soul are loving what you're doing. And yeah. you're bringing that same joy to other people through the experiences that you're creating and that you're curating and you're sourcing. So, well, thanks. Yeah, I, yeah, I really, um, yeah, my only advice is I mean, just stay true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And in my case, it means uh, honesty and integrity uh, are not you know, negotiable mm -hmm. aspects of my business. And there is also with honesty, um, I have to admit, I mean, there have been darker times. <laughs> there have been some emotional, uh, there have been some pretty intense emotions mm -hmm. around you know, business and friendships that were formed in business mm. relationships that, you know, um, always staying true to your values will help avoid any potential fallout, I think, for, you know, any any industry that you're in. But uh, I would say in in the realm of antiques, there are unfortunately a lot of shady characters mm. and I have been the uh 
you know, unlucky recipient <laughs> of such characters mm-hmm. uh, on numerous occasions. But does it mean that I then pass that along to the next person? No, mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. So that's where my philosophy in this in this business has to be uh, that I am learning from my mistakes and they stop there. Yeah. Versus I've seen people sort of degrade uh, morally mm. over time in this business and it's unfortunate and I think it happens in all sorts of um, you know types of work uh, when money is involved uh, or you know financial security in any way um, people can often act sideways I guess mm-hmm. it's like people do get sideways mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't want to be known as that um, I don't want to be that person so there's definitely times where I'm just like it's not worth it I won't um, pursue like whatever the you know I had to stop going kind of stop going to estate sales for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons Um, but that's a whole different (laughs) conversation we could have Mm -hmm. Um, I know like I think it's there have been some of the most incredible experiences in terms of finding stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I post sometimes in stories like early photos of like after a, a big shopping trip mm-hmm. and the exhilarating feeling of like finding really incredible things that aren't necessarily like important design, but yeah. they're. Um, there was this wooden head that we had and it was, uh, it was like brought to the store. It wasn't going to be for sale. Someone came in and offered like a stupid amount of money for it. (laughs) And you know, it was at the time I had a partner, a partner in, um, in life. And, uh, that person decided that it would be sold. And, uh, I was mad for quite a while, Mm. But you can't be attached to things. If you're going to be a dealer, you have to let go. It's part of it. You Mm -hmm. have to, like, catch and release. Um, And sentimentality has its place because, like you're saying, I think that translates Mm -hmm. to, um, to potential buyers. And I never really intended it to be that way. But, uh... I would have Japanese buyers come to my house. They're the only, really the only people I have that relationship with where it's it's based on buying and selling from one another, mm-hmm. where I am like, absolutely come to my house. Mm-hmm. I'll make lunch mm-hmm. or, you know, it's wonderful to see these people. They fly all the way to Portland to buy stuff, to take home, wow. to sell, you know, and sometimes wow. um, things have happened to some of my deal, Japanese dealer friends while they're traveling in the United States that are so upsetting to mm. me. So I try to have this like open door with, anyway, I've always noticed this funny thing where if I say I saved this for you, mm-hmm. then they don't want it. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like you have to discover it. You have to have the experience of like, I didn't know I was going to need this. Yeah. But I definitely need this. Mm -hmm. And in fact, one guy, um, Yusuke, he's opened four stores now since we met each other. He has like a separate one for rugs and textiles and anyway, furniture, vintage clothing. He's so great. And... I thought for sure he was going to want this tiger rug I had. He said, maybe after Fritz destroys it, (laughs) then I will want it. And I laughed so hard because it is like there's only humans and, you know, that spiritual level to objects, Mm -hmm. to material objects is hard to define and it's Mm -hmm. hard to it's definitely really hard to put a monetary value on. Um, so it's different for everyone, but I, I really appreciate and admire 
the most of any culture I have been acquainted with or introduced to for that matter in doing this, Mm -hmm. the reverence that the Japanese um, have for things which are, that have been lived with Mm -hmm. and that have experience Mm -hmm. and that are, they tell a story beyond what the designer was thinking when they made it. But how it was how it was a part of a li- a living organism, you know, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think that would be like such a wonderful uh, adventure to mm-hmm. take a, a longer trip to Japan mm-hmm. and explore. Um, just that's on my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel Certainly. like that is such Later. a useful mindset, not only for you, but I think for people to walk away with. Like, I'm not just buying something to fill a space, but right. I'm giving something another life and I'm honoring what it's already lived. But then I think that that makes it feel so much more like, I don't know, like a personal belonging as opposed yeah. to just like a chair that I bought you know, online somewhere random. Like, I think that once you know the story and you're supporting a person, you're supporting a small business or you're purchasing something and there's a life to it, like, and it's... Every step of the way, you know, I mean, I have a friend in Denmark uh, who drives crazy distances to get stuff and um, there's a person involved in every aspect Mm -hmm. of this business whether you're dealing directly with that person or not, mm-hmm. it, it actually, I mean, and going to flea markets and buying from flea market dealers, you know, has been such a wonderful and uh, illuminating experience <laughs> on just the human nature, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, and I, I've said it before. I mean, I feel like, when I go to stuff like that, I'm around my people mm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense where it's like... Totally. Uh, but then there's been... I mean, there have definitely been some negative experiences too where you buy mm. something and then you get it back and you're like, what the... This mm-hmm. isn't what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's how you learn. And yeah. it's important to definitely know what you're looking at and, and educate uh, yourself is... Uh, as much as possible, of course, um, before you go and buy things, <laughs> if possible. <laughs> the The reality is there's a lot of driving and there's less and less uh, time, I think. You know, a lot of us, I've DM'd with you well after business hours. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't yeah. know anyone high up in the chain or just starting out who now is turning off the phone mm-hmm. at night or keeping, you know, what do they call like work life balance. Yeah, business like hours. self-care or like yeah, yeah uh, social media hygiene. Yeah. Um it's kind of uh it's an around the clock but that's where passion comes in. Mm-hmm. If you're enjoying yourself and it doesn't feel like work, mm-hmm. then I think you can consider yourself among the luckier uh, people. Yeah. It's, you know, there's yeah. times where it's just like, this is thankless. I don't know how much more I can take. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the end of the day, no. It's mm-hmm. what I what I was meant to do, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, you do it really well. Thanks. And I reap the benefits of you doing it really well. And like you have, I don't know, you've given me, you have been someone who has welcomed me into the city from the beginning. And I feel like I look up to you so much as a creative and like your fashion sense. I'm like, I wish that the audience could see what you're wearing because you're just always so cool, but you're just so you. And... I don't know. I feel like you just have created a home for me. And I see that every time I come into your shop, every interaction that I see you have with clients is just incredible. So thank you for being you you and like being a light in this industry because we need it. So 
My pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we can wrap up. Happy solstice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Longest day of the year. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. I will get Fritz outside for an evening hunt. Yeah. Sweet. And back at it tomorrow. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, where can the audience find you? What's the best way? Is there anything you want to plug? Any of that? Well, I would just say the at this point we have uh, we have not yet invented a better uh, vehicle for uh, people to see what we do than Instagram. Instagram is the best. <laughs> I know a lot best of people are a lot of people are getting off Instagram, and I get that. But um, as far as we have, as I mean, professionals, there is it. What it one of my colleagues said it's the it is the best um, method to get as many trained eyes on your product um, that we now have. I I've been working diligently to get more items listed online, mm -hmm. um, but the the reality of this, uh, you know, I'm. <laughs> I'm working on that. It's coming along. Uh, people should check out First Dibs. I want to say there's an assumption that it's all going to be out of budget. Um, <laughs> but as an educational tool, uh, if nothing else, it's a, it can be helpful. I wouldn't take every... Uh, description as absolute fact. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of errors that are made on anywhere on the internet. Mm -hmm. Books are always better, but um, I have been listing things on that site, um, on that platform, and and is that under Midnight Sunlight? It's the link is in the shop's bio okay, on great. Instagram, which um, I'm just letting it stay there. Um, but. Yeah, the best way is local, in-store. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're local to Portland, call for an appointment during the week or mm -hmm. just come in on the weekends when we're open yeah. to the public yeah. for walk-ins. Yeah. And don't be afraid, people, to go in because her store is incredible. My cousin might be there. Forever. He'll tell some jokes. <laughs> um, more. Yeah. Sweet. It's fun. Yeah. Fritz loves visitors. Too. I love Fritz. He every really time I go in there, he is just like, he's all up on everybody. He, he is. He's just like the sweetest little guy. He loves it. And I didn't train him to do that. He developed all of that on his own. And yeah, I couldn't be more proud. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this has been the Almost There Podcast. Bye.